Hi, I'm Matt Ward, and welcome to episode 10 of the Running Industry Podcast. For Marathon Talk, you know, to have a, an idea, a concept, and bring it to reality and see it through takes endurance. And so Tom and I made some very early commitments to the show, and they're still going on. And one of them is that we'll produce, you know, we wanted to produce the show for free. In hindsight, we did discuss, like, should we charge a pound per download? No, 10 million downloads later. As we round off season one of the Running Industry Podcast, we go out with one of the conversations of this first series. As I speak to man of many running talents, Martin Yelling. Whether it's discussing the legendary running podcast, Marathon Talk, his coaching, views on the running landscape, or his charity, Stormbreak, Martin has a rounded view that challenges and inspires all at the same time. So we built Stormbreak around five concepts of mental health, resilience, relationships, hope and optimism, self-worth and self-care, because they were just things that emerged in conversation that I felt were important for me as an adult, but also for children. You know, my children want to feel good about themselves. They want to feel valued. They want to feel like, you know, their place in the world is, is, is safe and matters. So as ever, thanks to all of our listeners for downloading the episode and for subscribing. I think you're going to love the next hour and what Martin has to say will resonate with many runners out there and is a truly great listen. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Run Industry and check us out on the website at www.runningindustrypodcast.com. For now, though, settle in and enjoy this week's guest, Martin Yelling. So in today's podcast, we'll be talking to podcasting royalty as I speak to one of the hosts of Marathon Talk, Martin Yelling. Marathon Talk began in 2010 and is the UK's number one running podcast. Released every week, the show has had over 10 million downloads with listeners across the world. Martin is a lifelong runner and loves the freedom, exploration, and physical and mental health benefits of running. A former international runner, elite duathlete, and triathlete, he's finished the Hawaii Ironman, completed the Comrades Ultra. He also ran 260 miles with 50,000 feet of elevation in seven days along the southwest coast path, but couldn't finish the full 630-mile route. And this is an ongoing joke on the Marathon Talk podcast, especially with co-host Holly Rush. Martin is married to two-time Olympic marathon runner and Commonwealth medalist Liz Yelling, and together they run endurance sports consultancy Yelling Performance. Martin holds a PhD in physical activity promotion and is an experienced endurance coach, a writer, presenter, and most importantly, a dad to three little ones. Martin is also the founder of Stormbreak, a charity looking to improve children's mental health through movement, equipping them with sustainable, transferable skills and coping strategies to thrive during the complex demands of growth into adult life. Thank you very much for joining me on the Running Industry Podcast, Martin Yelling. It's quite an intro. Like, it made me think of what was that old program when he said that big red book, This Is Your Life, wasn't it? This Is Your Life. That was it. I'm trying to remember the, the host's name as well, but 
Eamon Andrews. You were doing a remarkable Eamon, <laughs> Eamon Andrews there. <laughs> no. I've been called a few things, Martin, but not Eamon Andrews. The thing is, if I was to read that, like if I was to read yours, Matt, and I'd love to, I'd love to have you on, on, on Marathon Talk. Oh dear. Like that would be, I'm pretty certain that, you know, I'd be reading as, as, as distinguished a roll call for you as well. So I wouldn't, it's all right, but thank you. I'll tell you what though, I don't know where to start on, uh, on interviewing you, Martin. I suppose I should begin by asking you how you and the family are down on the uh, South Coast during England's lockdown 2.0. Oh, it's all right. I mean, it's not ideal, is it? It's really not ideal. It's not ideal for anyone. Um, although I did run this morning. I mean, this is the running industry podcast. Try and keep it a bit runningy. Yeah. I um, ran this morning and I thought, this is lovely. It's quiet. Oh, everybody's inside. Brilliant. Long may that continue. You know, I ran through the town centre and normally I avoid at all costs anywhere where anyone can buy anything. Um, like, it's just not me. And uh, so I'll search out my running routes around quiet little hidden places. Even though I'm in the town, I know every little bridle trail and every little cut through and every little place where I can get in a green space. And I thought, this is quite nice because there's no one around. So I... Elements of lockdown that have been great are that the street I live on is quieter. There's not as much traffic. You know, I've enjoyed going out, but I've certainly, on my own, running, <laughs> miserable old git, but I certainly um, have struggled like everybody else with some of the work stuff. You know, I've got three small children, they're all in school, and there's a little bit of uncertainty around that, and they're struggling sometimes with their friendships, and that puts extra pressure on us as parents to, you know, to care for them. It, not that I don't normally, but, to, you know, to make sure that we're trying to you know, like meet their social needs as as well as their parental needs. And they're quite, sometimes they can be quite different. Um, so I'm quite cognizant of that. And the, you know, the things we do at the weekend, you know, with the kids and the things they can no longer do, like their music lessons or their, you know, sports stuff, uh, they're, you know, just socially with their mates. So it's been a bit easier than the last one, but it's still not ideal. Yeah. And I know that also on, on Marathon Talk, yourself and um and tom williams have had lots of discussions about this haven't you and how it's impacted society and i know tom's got some obviously some some views on uh you know forthright forthright views forthright there you go you, you use the word forthright uh, martin so that's okay yeah he's opinionated that's why yeah but that's okay sometimes isn't it it's um would you know what like we're gonna veer off i'm gonna veer off your question already go on veer off like one thing i like about tom there is only one and this is it um is that <laughs> he is committed you know he's a very committed person when he thinks he's right and he thinks he's right all of the time but what that means is that you know he really genuinely stands up like he stands up and he's not afraid to stand up for something that he believes in and passionate about and we see that in his role now with with park run and that's something which is really valuable you know yeah of course having a voice without that voice being too much of a dick you know and i i I respect tom a lot for that because he does he does stand up for for things he's passionate about yeah and also quite interestingly he comes on to marathon talk and talks about rowing for half an hour well he goes through little phases oh does he yeah he does i've known him long enough now be out of that and i'll give him a few years he'll be out of that Be, be back running again yeah, you know, we're lucky. You've mentioned Marathon Talk already, but 
yeah, we're lucky to have done 10 shows and still have a bit of a laugh and still enjoy doing it. And still, we hope, make some contribution to people's lives through listening. And particularly in lockdown, so particularly at the moment, mm. I remember when we first set the show up, it was like, what's a podcast? Yeah. You know, how do you, like, what is it? Sure. And we worked out how to record. There wasn't podcasting software, you know, like there wasn't ways of doing it. We worked it out. We learned, we asked, in fact, we asked a couple of guys called um, John and Bevan who do something called IM Talk and they've been going even longer than us. And they're a triathlon podcast and um, they were super helpful at setting the show up. And so we've, you know, we, we've learned a lot. We learned a lot from them in the early days. And, and we now try to give people like something if, in lockdown, I think if we're still giving people something interesting and exciting to listen to, then great. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm I still think we're doing a, a reasonable job with that. You're doing a cracking job and longer may it continue. Um, keeping on the lockdown and the running tip as well. I know you like a good session and everyone, everyone tunes in every week. You've, you've talked about, you seem to be recently, I've been really getting back into your running. I've been running a long time. Like we, we were discussing this before we started recording and we're a similar age uh, in, you know, you're nearly 60 and I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I feel it in lockdown. I do. Uh, anybody, anyone who's like nudged out the other side of 50s, like you're close to the 60. Um, I'm not quite, <laughs> I'm 40, <laughs> I'm not as old as you. Um, nearly. But I have been running a long time um, and running is, you know, something that has given me personally a huge amount. It's contributed to my life immeasurably, you know, huge, absolutely huge dollops of greatness have come through the running that I've participated in. Sometimes like that's changed, you know, as a 48, nearly 49 year old, the benefits I get from running are very different to when I was a 27 year old trying to run as fast as I can you know um um actually I I no longer really mind so much about the performance and the seconds and the the discipline required um it's more free-flowing and more social and more uh creative you know and those are those are things in running that it's easy to lose sight of but that now I'm a little bit older I want to really tighten up on so you know running still gives me a lot but it doesn't necessarily give me the same as it used to. Having said that, if I can just pick up on something you said there, you said you're not so focused on the time, the seconds, but I do pick up from marathon talk and, you know, you're saying you did your 10 mile in 63 or something like that. So you keep an eye on it. Come on, you still do. Uh, yeah, as a gauge, you know, I'm never going to go through, like I once paced the Edinburgh marathon as the as a pacemaker and my job was to go through in 51 minutes. Yeah, I wore the tiniest shorts that have ever been made. Did you? I'm going to search it out. Really, really bad. Um, I'll send you. I'll send you a picture if I can find it afterwards. Like, great. We might use that as the promo picture. Yeah. And you know, I'm never going to get close to that. But but then you know, I'm 15 minutes slower than that. But I really enjoy. I, what I enjoy about running is the grappling that you can have with yourself, and sometimes with a few other people, and. Also, I don't mind where I am having that grappling. So I don't need to be at the front. You know, it's all relative, isn't it? Your performance is always somebody who's going to be better than you or not. For me, that's like, I I like a healthy competition with myself. (laughs) we got company, Matt. Boys? Football. Yeah, I'm not playing football. I'm on the phone. (laughs) 
Who's this? Hello. Hi. Is this Sunny and Bo? Hi, guys. You all right? I'm like, oh, <laughs> just cracked me in the face with a tennis racket. Right, out you go because I'm talking. Close the door behind you. This is the reality, isn't it? Not really. Listen to you. No, they've. No, I've asked them to. I've asked them to leave. They're still here. Okay. If you don't like, leave the room, Father Christmas is not coming. Okay. Close the door. Wow. Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to leave this in. Podcasting gold. Naughty children. Yeah, sorry about that. My, my life is is um, when these guys are around, it's full on. Yeah. What were we saying about lockdown and entertaining the kids? Luckily, it's only me. What I was going to ask, how's Liz doing throughout all of this? Is online? Because obviously she's, um, she's a, a wonderful woman who can just obviously take it all in a stride, no doubt. Is she as, let's say, competitive in her own self when it comes to her running these days? Yeah, no, Liz is great. So Liz, you know, I carried Liz's bags for a number of years um, when she was a 228 marathon runner. So, you know, Liz was a, a, an amazing athlete. And when we look back at some of Liz's achievements, you know, there were no fancy trainers to be worn. Like it, it was pure training hard graft you know she was so disciplined and some of the sessions that I used to see her do and I used to like accompany her on she would put herself through the mill absolutely be ruined and 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 she was always amazing at getting it right when it really mattered so you know she would often bowl out to small low-key events at the back end of the winter and you know she would get beaten by by other athletes and she never really dwelled much on it and she would just say hey you know like I'm not where I need to be and I'm fully accepting of that and and you know I'll come back and I'll go away and do some training and I'll come back and and then in that period she would be really diligent and really focused and really committed but all done in a healthy focused um way you know not in an unhealthy way in, in, in some athletes i'm reluctant to say don't always prepare healthily um they push the boundaries in an uncomfortable way for me as a as a coach um despite getting you know the outcomes that they think are desirable whereas liz always you know really really turned it on so she would lose a a race and then three months later she'd be back at the English National Cross Country Championships like smacking off the front yeah, um, and, and winning it from the gun and then you know the Olympic trials I always remember t- uh, 2008 the second Olympics in Beijing she had a pressure on at London she needed to run inside the Olympic qualifying time and finish first Brit and and they had this right old scrap at London and Liz like properly put her head down and did amazingly well and then ran Beijing and fell over and broke a rib uh, um, at, at the 10th mile, but still finished in like 2.32 or something with a busted rib. But now she's incredibly able to be content with where she is. So she doesn't strive for any kind of performance like she did have. What she loves to do is go running, you know, and so she'll still run four or five times a week, um, but it might be slow, you know, it might be, might be with our neighbor who runs 12 minute miling and she doesn't mind and they walk and they stop for a coffee and, you know, like it's, yeah, it's because there's a deep, rich love of, of, of the essence of running. If somebody asked me these days, Martin, what I do and, you know, in my running, what am I training for? I'd just say I don't train. I, I basically run. Mm. I term myself now as a, what I'd call a soul runner. I run for 
for me and for the you know the enjoyment factor and what it offers me and yeah so i guess i'm a bit of a running purist and i remember reading about these things like 25 years ago thinking what like i enjoy the discomfort of running right so i actually enjoy turning myself inside out I'm not so bothered now whether I turn myself inside out and run a seven minute mile or a four minute mile. Yeah. You know, whereas previously four minute mile was, was what I was after. Whereas now like, Ooh, I'll be lucky, you know, to break five. Yeah. And being a recognizing that I love the purity of running gives me real clarity then for the running that I do. So sometimes I just want to go for a run and I run, you know, into a forest and I feel like, ah, oh, that, you know, like the, the forest kind of opens its arms and, and as a runner, you go into the forest and it wraps itself around you. And for the time that you're in there, you're just running, you know, and you're hearing the, the branches snap under your feet and the leaves and the birds and, you know, the animals around you. And there's the silence and the noise of the run that you're on, that you're really in tune with. On that particular day, I'll be thinking to myself, this is what I need from running. This is what I need from this run today. Mm. And and another time I might go, actually, you know what? I'm going to go and do six times three minutes on the road. I'm going to put my headphones in. I'm going to have some banging old school house music. I'm going to go and rinse myself. And that's what I need from that run that day. In the same sense with you, like I don't follow a structured training plan, but what I'm able to do as somebody who's been running for a long time is filter my own needs. And then like, it's like, do you remember an old, do you remember jukeboxes where you used to put your money in, pick your record? So, you, you know, you, you put your money in and you pick your record. I'm able to put my, put my money into the running jukebox and I'm able to pick the right record. And, and I think that comes from like experience as a runner. I also think it comes from helping other people, you know, with, with, with their running. I suppose we should just begin to talk about Marathon Talk because a lot of people who are listening to this will be no doubt fans and listeners to the Marathon Talk podcast. You're on episode 565 now, which is just amazing. Just talk us through the journey over the last 10 years and some highs and lows, some highlights and how you've got to where you are today. Uh, there's tons. I mean, there's so many highlights. There's more highlights than lowlights, actually, and and which is a positive about doing anything, isn't it? You you know, you really should engage with something in your life when it when it gives you more than it takes. You know, like again, like I, like I I I only do things when they give me more than they take from me. At the point at which anything takes and takes and takes, it's time to consider your approach to it. You know, with with marathon talk. Tom, uh, I said to Tom back in 2010, I'm a bit bored with writing in print media, running magazines. I'd written for running magazines and papers and, you know, I thought, I think we can do this differently. Like I want to share, I want to share some of, of, of the stories in running and some of the things about uh, some of the benefits and, you know, just stuff about running. And, and I didn't really know of any other running podcasts and so I said, let's try and start one. And so we did. And we just called it Marathon Talk because we've often thought, was that the right thing to call it? And in hindsight, we think it was quite limiting um, because it's very niche. But originally we were just talking about, it. we wanted people to, to understand what it was about from the, uh, from the get-go. You know, so if you get called it some 
nondescript name. We didn't really know. We, we thought, well, people don't really know what it's about. It's just, and it, it, it was just two blokes talking about running. So we thought, why don't we call it a marathon talk? All right then. And that was, that was it. Um, and we chatted and Tom was part-time at the University of Leeds and doing some bits and bobs with Park Run. And, you know, we were both just toying around with it, really. Mm. So there was, no, there was no big grand London Soho agency working on this, Yeah, it? no. Yeah. No, you're from a marketing background. There was no one, <laughs> nothing. You know, in fact, often, you know, uh, one of the things I like to think I'm reasonably effective at is enabling either people to do things or turning an idea or a vision into reality. I, I don't declare that I do that on my own. I often do that with the support of a lot of really important people. Um, but for, for Marathon Talk, you know, to have a, an idea, a concept, and bring it to reality and see it through takes endurance, you know, um, and commitment. And so Tom and I made some very early commitments to the show and they're still going on. And one of them is that we'll produce, you know, we wanted to produce the show for free. <laughs> In hindsight, we did discuss, like, should we charge a pound per download? No, 10 million downloads <laughs> later. <laughs> Let's make it free. Um, we always, you know, it was important to us to, to make it free for people to listen. And people can donate if they want to, um, but it's free to listen. Um, and we also wanted to give a voice to people, an extended voice to people in the running community. That was another rule that we set out, set out with. Not necessarily super elites or, you know, we have had some amazing guests. Yeah. Um, but just people that run and, and, and get some benefit and enjoyment from their run to give them an opportunity to tell an extended story, not a media soundbite. And the other thing we wanted to do is to be consistent with when we release the show. So we said, let's do it every week. And so we haven't missed a Wednesday in 10 years. It's incredible, isn't it? Because I know, again, just on just doing this, this little old podcast that I do, you know, I do it all myself. It's time consuming. Well, it used to take us a ton of time, to be fair. Like Tom, like it used to take us about 10 hours a week to edit the show. Edit yeah. the show. You know, mucking around with like the sound and and like oh the levels and the you know we had to learn how to do it. We had to explore how to get the best quality and the number of times we'd recorded. You know, Tom once interviewed the head of BBC Digital, right? You don't want to get that wrong. Big interview, right? It, we'd done really well to get the interview just before London 2012. So it was big. And we were like, this is a, we've landed a belter here. So he does the interview. <laughs> and right at the end, he realized he didn't press record. No, please don't say that. <laughs> yeah, he hadn't recorded any of it. Let's do it again. Wow. And of course, second time round, you know, the nuggets, you know, they've probably been lost, haven't they? Uh, that's, well, that's probably one of the, um, isn't that one of the, um, the low lights, but it's also funny. You know, we've got so many funny stories, so many priceless stories, but none of it's possible without the other people that do it. You know, we're joined by Holly, Holly Rush now, who's been a great addition to the team. Um, Tony has been part of the team from day one. And of mm. course, Tony is exceptional. You know, we, we're like a, um, a marathon talk family. And, you know, one of the like hardest times for me was when Tony's wife Ruth died you know really brutal time for Tony and a distressing time for all of us um you know we love Ruth greatly and and 
and she was a part of the show and often featured in Tony's trials. And so, you know, it was really difficult. That was, that was personally for me, a low light, of course, you know, and then, but then we had the highlights when we got a call from, um, I think it was Matt Chataway. You might know the surname. Chris Chataway family, presumably. Yeah, that's right. And, and Matt, I don't know if we've ever said this, if I've ever said this publicly before. I hope Matt and Adam don't mind. Mm. Um, but Matt and Adam called us up and said, we love the show, we listen. Our father is Sir Chris Chataway. And of course, Tom and I were like, that's incredible. Thank you. We would love to interview Sir Chris Chataway. You know, what a privilege. And then they told us um, that he was suffering from a terminal illness and it wasn't likely to live for that long. And they wanted us to speak to him to talk about his life so that they had a memory, you know, a, re- a more recent memory of, of their father talking about his running career. And Tom and I nearly, you know, hit the floor mm. because we were like, hang on a second, we're just this tiny two-bit podcast. You know, really? Like, what an incredible privilege for us to be able to share some moments of an incredible running icon when they're very close to the end of their life. You know, and, you know, Tom and I spoke about who was going to do the interview and how we were going to do it. And we took it really seriously. Mm. You know, in fact, we take every interview seriously. You know, because everybody we speak to has a story to tell and we we really value and respect the people that we speak to. But that that was an another that was an amazing highlight. There's so many, aren't there, over the years. And I suppose, you know, with such things as, you know, Kit Around the World as well, where I mean, you you're an inspiration, I guess, to many people across the world. You must feed off that in some way. Martin, there must be a point where you think myself and the other co-hosts, we're actually doing a really good thing here. That's a good question. Um, So it's in two parts. Do I think I'm doing a really good thing? I hope so. And sometimes we get some emails and some messages that affirm that rationale. So they will say to us, look, I haven't listened to, to the show for a while, you know, sorry. Um, you know, I've been, been away, you know, and then they'll say a bit more and then they might, then they might say, actually, the reason I've been away is because my husband, you know, was, was really ill and, um, I haven't run for a while or something happened in my life that caused me intense discomfort. And then they'll say, and I listened again and it felt like I was reconnecting with my running, you know, um, or you, you know, listening to you guys has helped me through this situation because you're a familiar, regular feature in in my life, and that's so important. You know, consistency, stability, support are incredible features of community that you know I'm passionate about helping people with. So, in a sense, the answer to the second part of your question is I hope so. Um, and we have some evidence and the affirmation of that, but that's not the reason that we, that we, that we do it. Um, I'm glad it does that, you know, and I'm pleased it's impactful for people. Do I, the first part of your question was like, does it make me feel? Yeah. So you're in an inspiration to many. How does that make you feel? I've never thought of it like that. And I, I don't think anyone has ever said it to me like that. I like to think that's what, what is like, I like, to think actually what's important to me is humility in what I do. I'm not seeking endorsement. I'm not seeking affirmation. I don't look for external 
reward for for, for what I for, for for that. It it's not what drives me. I'm not looking for more likes on Instagram or Facebook or you know. I'm not seeking those things. I believe that you should do things from um, a humble start point, you know, and and act, actually a, a really gracious start point. And if you're then impacting people's lives in a meaningful way, then great. You actually don't need pats on the back or accolades or recognition. I'm glad when people's lives are impacted through something I might do. Just finally on Marathon Talk, as I know, as, as I'm, I'm talking to you, you know, I'm the um, the script writer, producer, editor, publisher, as you can imagine, of the Running Industry Podcast. We're, we're a tiny, tiny little podcast and we're just getting underway, as it were. Have you got a team of people working on it? Go on, tell us about the Marathon Talk team. We used to get these emails through, you know, I can imagine. Do you remember, what was it called? Like, points of view. Again, we're going back, aren't we? Oh my God. This is for the young listeners. That's, like, this is your life, points of view. Yeah. <coughs> So there's uh, typing in, people typing in, mm. and they would send a message in, you know, dear, dear Marathon Talk, can you please tell your production team that the sound levels were off, were off terribly this week? Uh, you know, somebody in, in, on the third floor needs a thrashing. <laughs> <laughs> and me and Tom, we used to look at each other and we'd be like, oh, mate, you did the edit this week. You know, and, and for a very long time, just like you, it was just us. Honestly, it was just us. But it got to the point where, um, you know, Tom started to do other things with Parkrun and Parkrun was really accelerating. And and actually we recognised the beauty of creating something lies within the team that you create it with. Parkrun is perhaps one of the most beautiful examples of ownership in, in that although Paul founded something, effectively it's owned by the entire community of Parkrunners. And... and you know, we recognise that Marathon Talk is really owned by all the people that listen. And so we wanted to bring a team to, to help us on board as part of our Marathon Talk family. So we do have somebody that helps us with um, social media, largely driven by me not wanting to do it um, in the last few years. Um, other people are m- much more proficient than I am at, at doing it. Um, and also we have a, a brilliant team of guys, um, Matt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to forget the names there. Matt, Ian, Keith and Dennis, who are our volunteer editing team. And without them in the production side of things, like we just couldn't, you know, we couldn't do it with the frequency and the regularity. The other thing we've got is a, is a great slick process now. So we know how to record. Mm. Tom and I, if we all the team can record, such that the interview edit process is is leaner, and that, as you know from producing a podcast, that makes the whole output a lot easier. The less mistakes I make, the easier it is for the guys to edit. And I have to say, as somebody who um, presents a, a fair bit or has done in in the past, you are a very good. I'm not just blowing smoke at your backside now, Mike. Don't worry. You're a very good communicator and presenter, as is Tom. So I'm presuming that also that it cuts the edit down a bit, doesn't it? Well, we've learned it, you know, as a, as a part of my PhD, I used to interview people, teachers and things. And, and so, you know, I, I kind of trained myself a little bit. And then through my own sport and Liz's sport, you know, we did a lot of media work. And so I, I think I learned, you know, from that I, I think the greatest thing I've learned, I've not done it very well today because I realize I'm the guest. 
uh, I'm not the person doing the interviewing, but is to not speak, you, you know, and to use silence better and to listen, to truly listen and to truly pay attention to what someone is is saying and then to be able to steer a conversation around a topic which might be completely unexpected. So often in an interview, sometimes I'll prepare prepare, and I'll find out a little bit more about the person and sometimes. <laughs> um, and, um, and I'll understand that I should have mentioned that they were the world canny cross champion um, in the course of, in the, in the case of James T, who I interviewed last week on European, I think. Is it European? Oh, rubbish. Um, I wish I'd met. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't elevate him too much. Yeah. I wish I'd take it all back. I wish I'd mentioned, you know, his, his love of uh, running with, with his, with his dogs. Um, I forgot. Um, but now I like to do an interview and it go off at a tangent. Like I like that. And I like to interview somebody who can talk about the, their story, you know, well, and then I like to pick up on something they take that they say and try and take it in a direction they weren't expecting it to go. Because then I think you have a more lively interview. There's nothing worse than, yeah. I'm sorry if you're an elite athlete listening to this, there's nothing worse than listening to an elite athlete harp on about being an elite athlete. Tell me something interesting about yourself. Well, I guess one of the reasons behind doing the Running Industry podcast um, was to talk to people generally. It doesn't always have to be about running, if that makes sense, Martin. So, you know, mm. and we've done a little bit of it here. We've gone a bit tangential, haven't we, on a, on a couple of things, which is all right. That's good. Yeah. I'll get a critique from you off air later on and see how bad a job I've done in my uh, listening and questioning. But um, yeah, it's it's certainly interesting stuff. But certainly I would say that, you know, you are an old pro at this now and you're doing a great job and for to go 565 how far can it go martin is it going to be another 10 years or are you going to hand over the reins to somebody else are you going to be still around in 2030 doing the marathon talk podcast good question i don't know the an- i i don't know the answer to that <laughs> we'll leave it at that shall we you're listening to the running industry podcast with this week's guest martin yelling I'd also like to take this chance to point you in the direction of our Patreon page. So if you want to help us along the way, we'd be really grateful of any support via Patreon. Links are in the show notes and on the website at runningindustrypodcast.com. Reviews and ratings also help the podcast, so it would be amazing if you could give us a little review or a rating. And of course, make sure that you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. There could have been a number of topics we talked about today, Martin, uh, as you've touched on some of the uh, the answers that you've given. You know, you work at the London Marathon, uh, you do the Marathon Talk Run Camps, which unfortunately didn't happen in 2020, as with many events. Yeah, You've got the, the coaching company along with Liz. But one really interesting aspect of your work, and I guess something that is so important, especially in these times that we find ourselves in, in society in 2020, mm. is Stormbreak, mm. a charity that you have set up. Um, and you're sporting the T-shirt today. I am. Tell us all about Stormbreak, Martin. So, like I said earlier in 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 the interview, like running has given me tons and tons and tons. So, as a kid, like as a nine, you know, ten year old boy that couldn't concentrate and was always getting rollicking, and was forever being told, "Just go and run, will you? Please, just go and run outside, go and let off some steam, you little, you know." Like that was me getting into trouble, being in places I shouldn't be, you know, um, in hindsight, I probably should have like joined the military and, and, and had a career where I was able to learn some sensible discipline. 
if I could have my life again, I would definitely do that. You know, what I was able to do, I think, was use running to probably stop me going completely off the rails. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also happened to be reasonably good at it as a kid. And and when you're a kid, you need different things. And at that particular time, you know, self-worth um, and accomplishment and achievement and like recognition from friends and friendship groups probably helped a lot. Um, you know, you don't know that when you're 15, but um, it probably did. Um, but of course, I know that now, you know, and I'm like, so what is it that stops us teaching our children about the benefits of moving. Mm. What is it that stops us? And there's a whole host of barriers. So, so you as a grown-up will appreciate more deeply what it is moving offers you. Um, I use the term moving really carefully because it can be a, a, anything active. It, for me, it happens to be running. For you, it happens to be running. For other people, it might be swimming, walking, dancing, num- you know, game playing, a whole ton of stuff. So I thought, Okay, do we teach children, actually teach them well, these things? And if we don't, why don't we? And so that was, in fact, I'm going back to some work I did on my PhD. You know, I did a PhD and a postdoc at Loughborough around physical activity promotion and and engagement and professional development and behavior change and things like that. I thought, I wonder if I can build a framework that teaches young children 11 and under how to develop coping skills that will support their mental health in that current situation, whatever they might be facing, and that will transition with them throughout their life. So something's going to stick because we know as an adult, physical activity works. We didn't necessarily know how or why it worked as a child. We, ha- we, we were taught or we learned by trial, error and retrial as we went along. And we now know those things. So I'm like, why don't I build a model that, that, that does that? So I did. And I did it with, obviously didn't do it on my own. You know, I don't have a brain the size of a planet. I had to get people who really know what they're talking about. So I involved like pastoral care workers, CAMS workers, academics, doctors, teachers, children, um, and built a model and a program uh, through the registered a charity, something I've never done before, you know. So I founded Stormbreak, gave it a name, like that was hard enough, um, because I wanted to teach children to find ways to have a break from the storm. Interesting. And a, and a storm break is that. So it's a short period of mentally healthy movement, movement that's designed intentionally to help you get through partic- that moment you might be facing or that longer term you know, kind of more regular issues that you may cope, you may need to cope with. So we built Stormbreak around five concepts of mental health, resilience, relationships, hope and optimism, self-worth and self-care, because they were just things that emerged in conversation that I felt were important for me as an adult, but also for children. You know, my children want to feel good about themselves. They want to feel valued. They want to feel like you know, their place in the world is, is, is safe and matters. They want to feel like they can establish trusted relationships with people. They want to feel hopeful for the future. They want to feel like they can cope in, in adversity. They want to feel like they have some ability to bounce back even when stuff around them is tough. So I'm like, okay, we need to do something about it that isn't go and play cricket. It'll build your character. 
Nah, okay, well, okay, so how exactly do we do that? And that was my question from the offset, from the outset was, how can I be really specific with ensuring that Stormbreak can support through the methods that we use, um, the Stormbreak approach can support a young person's mental health. It's not like, go and play football, it'll make you more resilient. Because for lots of children, it doesn't. Mm. So Stormbreak actually is an approach for trusted adults that work with children. And so we try and upskill those trusted adults to do things like frame their response to movement to support the the children to have a conversation around how they're feeling. So if we go running, for example, use running, stick with running. Some of our activities are running based. Like I want, I want people to talk, right? Because if you and I were to go for a run, I bet you question two probably be, "Hey, doing? How are you?" And you'd go, "Yeah, I'm all right." And or if we've been running each, with each other for a little more frequently, you might say, "Do you know what? This week's been diabolical." And I might go, "Why is that?" And you might tell me, hmm. right? And so movement in that capacity is a wonderful vehicle to support each other. Yet when we do it with children, we go, how far can you jump? Mm. You know, or we say, well, I'm going to time you to run a mile and I want you to do it every day as far. Like, what? What are you on about? So if I do a run, if we do a storm break buddy run, for example, one of our storm breaks, we coach the, the staff, whoever that is delivering it, how to do the activity that elicits an awareness of mental health, how to follow up some of those conversations, how to have a, to, to use the activity to build relationships with other people. So there's a bit of sort of coaching and teaching pedagogy and learning thrown in. There's a bit of mis, you know, overcoming barriers and misconceptions about what it means to be active and a mover thrown in. And we hope that children will see moving as a way to support their mental health. There you go. That's it in a nutshell. Well, that was, I mean, it summed up about 15 questions that I have here. Um, <laughs> but it's, I think this is, um, you know, this is the running industry podcast, as, as you quite rightly mentioned, Martin. And I, I guess what I was trying to achieve when I started out with the podcast was to break into, storm break, there you go, break into um, this type of conversation because running is so much more than I've used the running industry, the word industry in the title, but again, a bit like marathon talk, you know, it's so much more than an industry. Industry is sometimes a a term, you know, um, that's related to business and related to, you know, let's say the marketing and sales side of things. But I see this as absolutely key to what we're trying to achieve with running. Mm. I just plucked something off the website and it was basically um, a report by the DOV, Department of Education in 2017, that 8% of 5 to 10-year-olds and nearly 12% of 11 to 15-year-olds have a diagnosed mental health disorder. I'm guessing in 2020, Martin, surely that's, that's going to be even more significant, should we say? Mm. Yeah, it's gone up. Without a doubt, it's gone up. Yeah, it's definitely gone up. And 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 like Stormbreak, so some people go, oh, oh, okay, well, this has emerged, you know, as a response. And of course it hasn't because this is what I've been doing for 25 years. Mm. Like none of this is new to me. It's probably a bit like when you meet a new runner and they come and do one of, you know, your amazing events in, in Wales and, and they have this epiphany of an experience about what it means to run. And you go, you, you will step back, sit back and you'll go, well, I knew that. Like, that's why I put these events on. Mm. You know, that's why, because I know this. 
Like, I, what I want you to do is I want, like, I want you to be awake. I want you to see, you know, the beauty of the world as I see it. And running is one way, just one way to, 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 to help do that. And so it seems like irresponsible to not do it. So, so actually, you know, again, two quick things like Stormbreak is a struggle. Honestly, I've never founded a charity before. I am not independently wealthy, you know, like I work, I have to work really hard and Stormbreak is, you know, not like a corporate entity. It is a charity. And, um, yeah, we're, if, if there's any, you know, even any brands in in running that think, do you know what that is? That person in running is doing a really good thing. Like we would love to be a part of that, you know. Then I would say, actually, you're, ch- you know, what you're doing is you're using your capacity within running to shape real social purpose in the next generation of people that might be interested in connecting with you and your brand. You know, I know there's always problem. It's always problematic marketing to children, um, and and effectively we work a lot with adults. But to do the work that we do, we need support. It's you know, it's like it's not easy. No, we we need support to be in schools and support to to be doing things. And I think real change makers, real agents of change, and in running, they're few and far between. Ivo Gormley at Good Gym is somebody who always springs to mind for me. Paul Sinton Hewitt, you know, somebody else. Like actual provocateurs of, of change. People who are positioned, you know, and, and through hard efforts have made, made social, done some social good, made some impact through, through running. And that for me is the future of, of where running's at. Yeah, and I suppose if we could all walk away in, on our deathbeds, whenever they may be, it's to say that we've made a difference in a way other than the obvious with something like this, then I think it's, it's absolutely fascinating. So to any brands listening out there, um, if I was a brand, I'd be absolutely very, very keen in, uh, in understanding how we could get involved. In terms of Stormbreak, Martin, just on a bit more of a practical level, how can people find out more about it? How can they get involved in it? Just pop along to Stormbreak. Yeah, stormbreak.org.uk. There's two ways. You know, one is if you're a you know, you're teacher or you work in a school, we've got a, a great way for schools to sign up. So there's, there's a huge amount of free resources online Great. That, that we've developed thanks to a partnership with Children in Need this last six months as a response to COVID. But we also run programs for other organisations so, so one simple way to engage is if you're thinking, you, you know, you've got kids and you're thinking, this is this whole lockdown thing. I've noticed some changes in their anxiety levels. Get involved. Like take a storm break challenge, sign up as a parent and do storm break with your kids. Like you can just follow an activity. If you've got young kids, just, just do it. Just pick a video, do it. Every time you do it, it gets logged on the website and you follow a storm break challenge pathway Every five that you do, you get the kid gets a, a certificate to print out and a little digital award, and you follow a little route map um, to the end of your uh, a storm break journey. And for me, that's part of the behavioural change that goes into it. You have to have re- repeat exposure to something. Yeah, yeah it doesn't happen quickly. Um, so get involved. You can get involved by looking at the website and actually trying yourself. You can get involved by emailing us at hello stormbreak.org. 
www.thinkandgrow.co.uk. And all of the links and everything will be in the show notes, obviously, Martin, and we'll, we'll push that as much as we can. I think it's fantastic. We're obviously slightly limited on time and, uh, and uh, I've, I've still got a whole host of stuff here, Martin. But it's because I waffle on, isn't it? It's all right. It's great. It's tangential, as we say. Um, shall we talk a little bit about the book as well? Um, I know it's like Graham Norton-esque here. Well, you've got a book out. Well, I haven't got it out yet, but it is coming. Yeah, it is coming, actually. Yeah. It's called Running in the Mid-Pack. Um, how to be a, a happy, successful, healthy runner or something like that. <laughs> Working title. <laughs> it might it might be <laughs> Running in the Mid-Pack. How to be a healthy, happy, successful runner. Great. It's published by Bloomsbury and I think it's out on the 4th of February. You can pre-order it via Amazon, but probably it would be lovely to go into your local bookshop um, and and buy it. You know, I would much rather that um, that people waited and, and went to their local bookshop and said, I want to support you and, and got a copy that way. Um, there's a lot of books out there which are like guides to coaching, you know, and they're a bit like a handbook. You know, and it, it, it and it talks a lot about training and talks a lot about fundamentals and but it's a bit factual, you know. And then there's a lot of books out there that are for the very beginner, like super beginners. And and this isn't for those people, like really for either of those people. So it's not for like you're probably not gonna read it if you're elite and you want to know about the top end seconds. You're probably not gonna read it if you're, you know, complete beginner because moved moved beyond that you know it's not like the running basics but then what we do is we dig into detail on on some issues like some of the issues we've spoken about today like what makes you a confident runner okay you know and it's and it gets uncomfortable you know like we are i I might I, i might cover some topics which will challenge people's thinking and it probably isn't what people might think when they pick up a running book you know, I've written it with Angie Andrews, um, a friend and colleague at Marathon Talk. Um, you know, hasn't been running as long or coached as long, but interesting to get a different take on some elements. So I think it's always healthy to have fresh eyes on your work. So yeah, we just we break the book up into into chapters on psychology and chapters on whole body health and talk about pillars of of performance and you know why they might be wobbly and what you can do to strengthen them and there's a section on training which is probably a bit more of a classic look at at training with some ideas for sessions for different distances but i think my favorite my favorite chapter is probably the like the intro where we talk about who it who is in the mid pack you know um and then the conclusion we're kind of wrapping everything up the rest in the middle is waffle <laughs> they're like there's a good chat i like the chapter on psychology we kind of ask for, for you know some different people i know in the world of psychology to talk about um you know why you feel confidence and what you can do about anxiety and how you can shape your performance as a, as a runner um to, to support those things so yeah i'm hoping that runners will enjoy it it sounds absolutely brilliant you're obviously a busy man and uh, as we've seen in today's call, you've got a family and all the rest of it. And how have you found the time to fit a book in? <laughs> Late nights, or was it? Or... Well, you know, there was a few actually. Or is it the? Or is it the? Is it the big team? Is it the big team behind you? Well, yeah, all the ghostwriters. No, it's it's like literally been me plugging away at the keyboard at eleven o'clock at night. Um, yeah, it has. Yeah, and and how do I find the time? So one thing I'm notoriously bad at is doing things to earn any money. I think I think we, we we're kindred spirits there, mine. Yeah, I am terrible. 
So, you know, marathon talk and things, you know, oh yeah, 10 million downloads, 10 years. But in terms of, you know, financial stability and security, it's, it's difficult. Right? Like being transparent with anyone that's listening, it's never easy. But in terms of enriching Martin Yelling. Oh, it's amazing. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. So finding the, <laughs> it's been slightly easier this year because a lot of my other work in running has not been happening. So, you know, that that's meant I've been able to do pivot with Stormbreak and make that a completely digital, like a lot of digital resource. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm anticipating some challenging times ahead. Yeah. When it all, when it all fires up again, if, and when, um, we'll all be slightly uh, finding our feet again at some point, won't we? Well, I, you know what? I think there's some, I just think there's still some, like I love running and I still think there's some amazing things to happen in running. I, I don't necessarily think there are amazing things happening in running at the moment. You know, I find both the elite end and the social media end challenging because I'm a fan of, of meaningful personal experiences. I'm a fan of authentic individuals. I'm a fan of credibility, you know, uh, uh, and I'm a fan of, of, of integrity. And so, you know, when you look at what's happening at the top end, at the very sharp end, and, and you know, also not, I, I discount park run and events, some events in, in that, but I, I just see a complicated landscape. That, that's that's quite um, pertinent because I, I like to think this has been a conversation as opposed to a series of questions. But what are your deeper thoughts? I suppose deeper thoughts is the wrong word. But what, what's your overall view of the industry at the moment and the running landscape? Are you inspired by it? Do you think there's some great stuff going on? It's a challenge to be. To, so so the most amazing thing for me that's happened in 2020 is I think that lockdown has sparked in a population a willingness an understanding and an accessibility to be able to run more often. So, you know, for you and I, we've been spouting on about the mental and physical benefits of running for the last 25 years. Mm. And it's okay. So what lockdown has given is an awakening, not only to, to individuals of the benefits of running, but also to you know, local councils yeah like putting in safer routes for cycling or you know recognizing that more people will be out so when i go running now where i live i see more people running that can only be a good thing that is a great thing you know and um, and that's a benefit of 2020 for me the challenge is how we as an industry respond to that in a credible way so like i don't think we should be milking those newcomers for product you know be like trying to get all these people to enter events and like you know trying to capitalize in a financial way um on in a commercial way um on that increases in engagement that doesn't make me particularly effective but um but what what i it, it from a brand point of view but what i really think is that when people have a lifelong love and joy for something they will make purchases make choices live their life where that threads through the way in which they live and in doing so you can then connect them to the best things to support them and and so you know the, not only the best things but the best people 
And so one of my frustrations is how do we filter through the chaff as an industry? It's really important at the moment to learn with new people coming into running how to filter through what is what is credible and what is utter, utter nonsense. And there is, unfortunately, an emerging amount of nonsense, you know, and and we it's like we need to support people to make great choices. Like if you think of when you Google search something, a lot of what comes up is just cobblers. And, you know, you, you have to have capacity to filter through that. You know, otherwise you're taken advantage of as a consumer. And we're seeing that such a lot, you know, in, in particularly in, you know, marketing around social media and how we manipulate individual behavior and choices, which I appreciate is something which has been done in marketing and industry for years. You know, a goal is to influence and shape somebody's consumer choice. But there's a way in which we can do that, which embeds that choice with meaning, um, integrity and authenticity for that consumer. So they will then become loyal to you and your product. You know, they're they want it's like they want people want to listen to marathon talk because they believe in marathon talk and what we represent and the brand that we've built and the things that we offer and we don't take advantage and and i just believe that brands an industry with strong social purpose um and a, and a genuine agenda towards that will emerge like the go-to for people that enjoy running I suspect that what 2020 has done also, Martin, I, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but certainly within the running industry, it's shown a, for quite a few brands, not all of them, obviously, it's shown a more compassionate side to their their brand and more compassionate side to their aims as a brand. And some of it, as you may, as you say, may well be um, uh, marketing and sales speak. However, if we can move towards that as uh, as globally, I think it can only be a good thing. I believe in runners. I believe in people that run and I, you know, running is just one way that they share who they are. And, and, you know, with more people running, we've, we've got to encourage those people that actually being, being a runner is something which is an important part of your life. And actually it does shape and can shape incredibly positively who you are. And so therefore, you know, if we as people with a voice in running might say, this is what we value and what we think, I would hope that there's brands there that would also go, well, we share that same value structure, you know, um, and therefore we want to tell different stories in running, for example. You know, we want to to showcase things about whatever we might be trying to sell you that genuinely might encourage you to run in the way to, to let running serve you in the way in which you want it to, you know, and that, that is a huge social responsibility at the moment because more people are running. So the responsibility to serve them well goes up to. It's a, it's a nice thought to think that, you know, even just a few brands are starting to move in that direction. Just with a, an eye on the future then, Martin, where, I mean, how do you see the industry, the sport competitively, recreationally unfolding in the next decade? Well, we've seen colossal change this year. We've seen a colossal shift in elite performance. You know, we've seen Elliot Kipchoge run under two hours. We've seen product 
um, and technical innovation in footwear. Um, and at some point, we, you know, I just wonder where that's going to go. You know, I think of something like a hundred, one hundred eighteen participants in the recent World Half Marathon Championships. A hundred of them wore some kind of of um, shoe with a carbon insert, and fifty of those were one particular brand. And we've seen times run by people globally that have shifted the landscape immeasurably in terms of performance. Now, I wonder what that will impact that will have on global elite participation. I'm almost certain it may not be positive for everyone. You know, it's so hard for up and coming athletes to get events anyway, you know, to get any kind of exposure unless they get really fast, you know, and then they're asking difficult questions about how they get really fast, um, difficult and uncomfortable questions. I think we're going to see a huge shift in nations that are represented globally at elite level, you know, classic. We've, we've, we've just, we're coming perhaps out of an era where we might see Kenyan and, and African domination. I wonder, you know, I wonder what that's going to look like in in the future. I'm not sure we'll see that continuing in the same way. Those nations are certainly struggling with regulating equity and fairness. I don't necessarily think it's for the Western developed world to impose their value, you know, their structures on that. But but it certainly needs to be addressed. I would love to see, you know, what we see in athletics, particularly, is empty stadiums. Mm. You know, what we see in, 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 even in, in, apart from a very small number of road races is empty. You know, there's probably two or three road races in the UK where there'll be busy, busy, busy um, fields, not very um, spectators sport, you know. And I, I just wonder what that future, particularly for athletics, looks like with, with empty stadiums and not much interest from media and, and not much interest from, from participants, really becoming pretty niche and of course but then of course at the other end of the spectrum you've got park run you know growing incrementally every year and i and i think that's because that's how people are connecting with the sport at the moment you know we we don't idolize people who run quickly we 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 just don't do that we've seen i, I remember having a conversation with a magazine editor and i hope this doesn't offend anyone it's certainly not meant to in the context of the conversation that we were having at the time. And it was probably 15 years ago where I, I, I suggested that somebody I knew actually was on the, put on the cover of the magazine because I felt their story was, was relevant and important to tell. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but they didn't look like a runner. Okay. And, and as a result, I remember the editor saying to me, we actually put images on our, on our cover that will sell copies of the magazine. And what we know is that if we put, I can't remember the exact words, but it was something like thin women, uh, models, thin models and women on the cover that will sell more magazines. And that was at the time, of course. Thankfully, thankfully, we've seen that landscape change Mm. just in the last probably four years, which is so unbelievably wrong. You know, like how the sport of running could let itself get away with that representation for so long. You know, it's irresponsible. Um, and, and we're only just seeing that running is amazing for everyone. Um, and, and 
you know, so that's something that I'm glad we're, we're, we're shifting in running. And I hope we do, you know, I hope we do more of in the next five years at, again, Park Run doing an amazing level, amazing um, example of showing how running can, can represent an increasingly wide demographic of participants that, you know, previously we may have, have neglected um, and it's definitely time to redress that. Well, I mean, I don't know how to come back on that because that is just, I think overall, the movement of human beings, which is what you're getting back, getting, getting back to Stormbreak um, on an adult level, um, certainly is, you know, is something that's happening. We've talked about running booms in the past and whether it's through London Marathon or whether it's races. For me, the new running boom is running. Yeah, that's a great, I like that. Yeah, that's really good. It really doesn't matter how you do it. You can do it uh, socially. You can do it. You can race your head off. You can travel the world. You can run locally. You can run out of your back garden. There's been some big marketing campaigns in the past about just doing it and things, hasn't, haven't, haven't there? So, you know, it's mm, like... Yeah, they have. But do you know what I'm trying to say, Martin? It's kind of, you know, running, however you do it, just, just do it. Yeah. It's not complicated, is it? It's not. It really isn't complicated. I don't think it's complicated. It's beautifully simple. We, need, we, you know, we have a responsibility to make it beautifully simple. We have a responsibility to teach people how to harness, you know, the wild horses that you that you see everywhere it's like get let's get them harnessed let's understand what running can do for you and and that can be so many different things it doesn't need to be one thing you know it's it's so so diverse um so yeah i'm i'm absolutely in it, in agreement with you let's keep it pretty simple well, I'm, well i feel we're on an absolute crescendo now of, of our discussion <laughs> so it's at the end of every um, podcast, we have these quick fires, Martin. They don't have to be quick. I've had some long answers to these, I must admit. Go on then. What do you see as your greatest achievement to date? Let's keep it within running. Within running? Within your life in running. Let's put it that way. I think probably it's um, learning the capacity to support other people's running. So, you know, and that's probably only happened in the last really happened in the last 15 years you know, I love coaching but I used to think coaching was about making people run faster and it's not you know for me coaching is a really relational opportunity to travel for a moment in someone's life with them yeah you know all the coaching that I do I only coach a small number of people but it, it you know we might start off coaching talking about running but actually you know we end up having conversations about lots of things they do in their life and how running can be used to support them through that, you know, and sometimes they might not be running at all, <laughs> but I'm still working with them, you know? So I think, yeah, making a, a community footprint in a small way, learn, and I'm still learning how to do that, but that, that would be my answer. Brilliant. And how about five years from now? Where do you see yourself? On the beach, Barbados with feet up, soaking up the rays, retiring, having made millions. How about that? Eventually having worked out a way of charging a pound for every marathon talk listener. <laughs> uh, in five years, I'll pr- I, well, in five years, where do I see myself? So I've got three young children. And so my, my priority to them is to support their life in the best way that I can. Uh, and so that's where I'll be. That's where I am now. And that's where I'll still be in five years. Well done. That's a great way to live your life, I think. And finally, tell us something about Martin Yelling that people wouldn't know. Having done a podcast for the last 10 years and practically told everyone, 
I don't know if people will know this, but I don't know how relevant it is to be honestly, but maybe it will in help people sometimes. Um, so when, when Liz presented the BBC coverage for the London 2012 Olympic games, she was sat outside Buckingham Palace with Tanny Gray Thompson and she was doing the women's marathon production and live she miscarried on the set there. I don't think there's many people that know that. So that's definitely something that people won't know about Liz and won't know about me, but it's a really important point to make because people go through things that people, people don't know. You know, Liz is live on television, you know, having a nightmare experience, an absolute nightmare experience. And, you know, it's important that people talk about things, even when it's hard to talk about things, you know, and that sits with Stormbreak, that sits with supporting people through through running. You know, when we started this conversation, you probably didn't expect that would be something that I would say. No. And that, you know, there'll be people listening for whom, you know, they think, okay, well, I use my running to do this and, and my running to do that. And, you know, that for both of us, particularly for Liz, now that was a hard period. The, the Olympics before, she was in, you know. Then the following, you know, time, she's commentating. And, and of course, you know, miscarriage is, is something that people don't talk about that often, especially in that context was quite, was quite difficult, you know, as it was, we were very blessed subsequently to have, have twins later, which is just, you know, incredible. Um, so yeah, but I would say that's something not many people don't, not many people know about me and yeah, I haven't really shared before. So there you go. Well, I appreciate that, Martin. As somebody who has been through a similar experience in life, let's put it that way. Uh, I can understand that. And I suppose it kind of sums up this conversation really for me because I went into the this podcast knowing what I know about Martin Yelling from what I hear and what I see. I was hoping this was going to be a, a, a very open conversation and it has been. And I think that's kind of underlined and epitomized basically what we've talked about for the last hour or so, well over an hour. Life can be hard and life can be great all at the same time. And sometimes running is... Uh, is you know encompasses all of that yeah running can be you know this constant beautiful friend that glides along effortlessly next to you you know in, in, in you've just got to learn to to let it do that martin i'm so grateful for your time um hopefully you've enjoyed it as well something a little bit different from you you know turning the tables as it were yeah really good i've had a fantastic time martin thanks ever so much for joining me on the running industry podcast and uh, good luck with everything in the future and of course Stormbreak. thanks you're welcome there you go 10 episodes one season of the running industry podcast a huge thanks once again to martin for helping us round things off with a fantastic hour just talking about running so that's it for this first season i've really enjoyed speaking to all the amazing guests and we'll be back in january in season two of the running industry podcast Remember that reviews and ratings also really help the podcast in gaining exposure. So it would be great if you could give us a rating and a review. And of course, make sure that you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. 
And of course, you can follow us on social media via at Run Industry. A quick mention again that we'd be really grateful for any support via Patreon. Links are in the show notes and on the website at runningindustrypodcast.com where you can catch all of the episodes of the show. Keep listening, keep spreading the word and we'll keep making the podcast. I'm Matt Ward and the Running Industry Podcast is an Amplify production. Thanks for listening and until the next time, goodbye.